Have you been addicted to Instagram and Facebook? There's a lawsuit here for you. It's their fault. You ah, can sue them. Well, you know what? Probably in a lawyer out there that'll take that case. I'm sure there's yeah. multiple lawyers out there that'll take that case. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Too Many Topics podcast. Tonight, we are in the studio with uh, not only a good friend, but a great guest for the show. A lot of um, information that this gentleman has. He is a, a wealth of knowledge in what he does for a living as well as other um, entities that he has taken on. Um, so without further ado, Dominic Ciccarelli, entrepreneur, a uh, member of Think Design Architecture and real estate investor, to, to name the few of what I know anyway. I think he would have gave me a, a few more, but <laughs> for the sake of time, we stopped there. But Dominic, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, man. I've been wanting to get on here for a while. I see you guys are doing some great things. I'm a little disappointed Tommy isn't here tonight, but uh, yeah, we'll bust his chops next time. Yeah, unfortunately, Tommy got the COVID bug, uh, so I didn't want him here tonight, even though today was his last day. He felt great, and but we both decided it was probably for the sake of your children and my children that we don't get sick and go home to them. Um, but I'm excited for the show. We got some really good stuff to talk about. Um, so with, with, with further ado, you know, let's get at it. Let's do it. So tell me a little bit about yourself now that I'm uh, not a, a basket case anymore. I'm moving <laughs> around this six by five room. Yeah, listen, um, I grew up in Brooklyn, uh, middle class, blue collar family. My dad was in the military. My mom stayed home. Uh, tons of family members, uh, NYPD, FDNY. Wow. Grew up like a lot of uh, other people that live here on Staten Island. Um, hardworking people uh, moved out here when I was about ten, and it was a great it was a great move for the family, you know. Um, for, I didn't hear you. Brooklyn first. Brooklyn first, then came out to Staten Island. Uh, that's the normal uh, right trend. That's right. That's right. Where and were you? Where were you from in Brooklyn? Garrison Beach. Okay. Yeah. So um, Garrison Beach. My my dad's Italian. My my mom's Irish. Okay. We, Same uh, as mine. Yeah. So uh, Garrison Beach was a, a predominantly Irish neighborhood. Oh wow! Okay. Growing up. And um, we made the move to Staten Island, and uh, by by far, best decision my family made, you know, opened up my eyes to a whole new world and tons of kids in the block and sports, a lot of different things that um, I was exposed to instead of uh, being in Brooklyn. So sure. uh, being exposed in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So it was really great. Yeah, especially in those days, you know, it was a little different back then. Um, you know, it was the 80s, I guess. You're a little younger than me. Were you born in the 80s? 1980. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So that was a tough, you know, 80s, 90s growing up in Brooklyn was probably the best decision that your family made by bringing you here, yeah. which is great. Um, you know, 10 miles. So you, you, you pretty much spent the uh, majority of your time here as an adult. And you said your father was in the military. What was he in? Yeah. National Guard. Oh, awesome. Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Staten Island's been good to me. I mean, it's a, it's a great place to raise kids. Um, heavy with uh, sports oriented, family oriented, community oriented. Um I wouldn't ask for anything else. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We we uh, we had a, a gentleman on. I had a gentleman on the list. Was it Tuesday that just started a podcast for sports and and he's trying to zero in on um, local youth sports opposed to you know pro sports that everybody's you know obviously mm -hmm. always going after. So it's a nice little niche that I think, especially having kids 
you know, in this age group that play, I think that it's a tremendous give back to the community that these kids get to see their name and lights and, you know, maybe bring a kid on the show and, you know, maybe had a great game the day before. Or you, know, you could do so many things from that perspective. And I just think it's a great untapped resource that, that they could do really well with. So I'm yeah. glad you appreciate the, the sports aspect of, um, of uh, Staten Island because I think that that's one of the, you know, many values that we have here. Yeah, we recently, my family and I recently moved to Manhattan. Okay. And um, we're only there a few months, but I, I see a, a clear difference, both good and bad, but a clear difference um, with the children and the interaction with the children. You know, in Staten Island, you're still playing in the street. Um, you could still walk to a, a local schoolyard or a park and, and put together a pickup game, where in Manhattan, it's a little bit more organized. Um, maybe you can't walk down the street, um, some of the streets are really busy. Um, you're in these big condo complexes or apartment buildings where, you know, the kids maybe meet up in the building as opposed to leaving the building and, 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 uh, traveling around. So it's, uh, it's, it's been interesting the last couple of months seeing different, how these kids grow up a little bit differently being there. Sure. Listen again, good and bad. I mean, uh, but there's no question, uh, my children see the difference in that. Like, wow, sure. it was nice to have these liberties and these freedoms in Staten Island and, and um, maybe a little bit more family-oriented and things like that. Sure, where I would think out there it's probably a little bit different, right? Um, you don't have the neighborhoods the way that you have here. Right? That's right. We, we always talk about Staten Island neighborhoods. Um, I could talk from my own neighborhood. I could walk down my block and there's probably, I don't know, out of 40 houses on the block, 25 of them have been there for 100 years, right? They passed the house down to, you know, and I, I don't think that, unfortunately, because of the transientness of Manhattan, you, you miss that, you know. And the other thing I thought was very strange, now that I'm a little bit more involved in, in, in sports for the kids, Manhattan, I think, and, and don't quote me, it could be zero, but I think they have one Little League team. Could be. You know, and my and kids that, don't play baseball, but yeah, it could be. And, and yeah. I, I thought that that was, you know, somebody had told me that if you win Staten Island, you typically win the the, the city. Mm -hmm. And I would think that Queens and Brooklyn and Manhattan and, and and you know all these places with a ton more people than we have would produce better talent. And the, it's just a different lifestyle out there. Sports might not be as important as it is to the to the guy that lives on the South Shore for yeah. his kid to make the All Star team. There's no question. You know, the kids, and again, there's no right or wrong. It's preference, but. You know, my, my children are now in school with, with kids that speak three or four languages and learn, know how to play multiple instruments. Right. And there's a little bit of, you know, the focus is someplace else because the sports um, ability, just the logistics to get teams together and where are these yeah. fields are harder to put together. Um, so, Plus, again, you know, I, I would love for my children to know multiple languages. I'd love for my children to own uh, know how to play multiple instruments. Again, it's just just different. You know, there's no right or wrong. No, but and it's a custom thing. And I think your kids are – you're putting them in the position to be on that path, which is amazing. Yeah, they experience the best of both worlds, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think that's what it is. The cultures that you're, you're, you're involved with today, sports is 10th on their list, right, where you have the Staten Island parent that, you know, the, every kid is Derek Jeter. Every kid's going to be a pro basketball player, and it's a little different out there, I would assume. So uh, It is good, though, with, on that point. It's not just playing the sport. And listen, we all know our kids aren't going to be in the MLB or in the NHL. But if playing, we're realistic. That's right. <laughs> but playing that sport instills so much more into them. I mean, forget about the physical aspect and the health aspect, but it's the, the camaraderie. Yeah, it's the, the, the leadership key. and the, the team building and playing well with others, Absolutely. which – 
those social skills are lacking a lot in these, these children these days. Yes. You know, a lot of these kids are home on their iPad all day. They're, they don't interact in real life. They're, they're interacting in the in the metaverse or maybe in, in virtual reality in more than in reality. Absolutely. Which is extremely scary for, for guys like us well, and, certain, as a concern. It's, it's troubling to certain people. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I, I understand it. And I believe that uh, we had this talk also about it. I have a different view on it a little bit. But I, I do understand that, that aspect of it that... Um, we're, we're becoming a world of introverts, right? Like, you know, some of our, our, the reason that the successes have come to us the way they have is because of our outwardness, because of the fact that you're able to walk into a, a room full of people and have a conversation with somebody, yeah. right? Uh, that's my fear. Mm -hmm. My fear is I don't knock the whole metaverse thing because I believe my the way that me and you used to play football in front of your house and hung out or whatever, my son's now playing football in roadblocks with your son and, and they're still doing the same thing. And that's where they're hanging out. That's their world. Mm -hmm. So to a degree, like I said the other day, too much of anything is a bad thing, um, but it, it does have a huge, huge effect on children's ability to want to go outside their comfort zone. Yeah. Because in my pajamas on my couch with my iPad in front of me, I'm very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. But I really appreciate that because I think that it's always important for people to understand the person behind, you know, every, I had this conversation with my agents all the time. They're like, I'm a real estate agent or I'm a realtor. You're something else also, right? Yeah. You're a father, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're a baseball coach, you're a lover of cooking. I don't know, love dogs. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's something. So I always like, you know, the audience to understand who the person is. Um, so with that being said, you know, what made you get into architecture? Because I know that was your yeah. firstborn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... Um, it was, it wasn't something I said to myself as a young boy, Hey, I want to be an architect or like some kids say, Hey, I want to be the next Jeter. Right. Um, I had a talent in art. So I spent a lot of time, uh, as a young kid with my grandparents sketching and drawing and a little bit of sculpturing. My, my grandparents had a, on both sides of my family had a, a talent of art. Um, as like, I wasn't the most scholastic, uh, uh, student in school, um, I kind of just worked my way through it like most people do. Um, my summer vacations were spent hanging out with an uncle um, in the Hamptons. My summer vacation was go spend time out there with your family. We didn't have the means to go to Disneyland or fly to Europe and things like that. <laughs> and my uncle obviously had a very nice life out there. And um, he went to Pratt to be an architect, grew up in Queens. Um, after graduating and, and getting married, moved out there because he saw an opportunity of development that was happening out there uh, in the in the late 70s and 80s. Um, he opened up a home improvement construction company uh, using his talents that he learned from the architecture, you know, turned it into actual physical building, which he, he felt more comfortable doing, building the home as opposed to maybe designing the home. Awesome. Um, and I saw this great life he built for his family out there um, in the construction, let's call it architecture world. Um, so as I became an adolescent and having to start making decisions on what I'm going to do for a living, I'm like, well, I don't want to be a starving artist, although I enjoy doing art, you know, how can I make money in the art world? Right. And the next natural progression was, wait a minute, architecture is an art, Absolutely. Um, super creative, design-based, and I just kind of pointed that way and, and just ran. And uh, it worked out for me, you know. Oh, God bless. Um, so it's a little bit of a backwards, long story. No, uh, that's cool. Everything's everybody's yeah. got a story, and I love yeah. to hear them. So I was able to turn my, I guess, my talent of of art and being creative um, into a living for my family through architecture. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And how long have you been doing it now? So 
right after uh, college, all during college, I was working for an architectural firm. And then in around 2003, 2004, I decided to, to go on my own. And so it's almost 20 years. So, okay. So, so you, you got into the business. You, you obviously had a, a love for, um, for art makes a lot of sense, right? Um, the natural progression, I guess, in any business is how to take the next step. So what was that like? What, what, what made you decide on, Hey, do I go work for some monster firm in Manhattan? Like, like a lot of people choose and, and do very, very well for themselves. Or do they, they decide to, Hey, you know what? I'm going to trade in my 40 hour a week job for a 90 hour a week job. So um, all through college, like I said, I had to work to kind of put myself through school. Um, towards the end of my college career, I was working for this big uh, architecture firm in Brooklyn. 30-person uh, operation, did a lot of corporate work, um, did a lot of work throughout New York City. And uh, the years after graduating, I worked my way up and took on more responsibility. And I started really seeing how much money these guys were making. And I'm like, well, why am I sitting here making these guys rich? You know, I can do this. You know, these guys aren't any smarter than me. And um, I took on a small job on the side. Uh, I got the taste of the potential of what I can do. Soup to nuts from beginning to end, right? From beginning to end. I was the secretary. I was the bookkeeper. <laughs> I was the designer. I was the expediter. And uh, I says, you know what? I, I walked into the office one day. Um, my boss got me frustrated. Um, over some nonsense, and I'm like, I don't need this, and right, I walked sometimes out. Sometimes that's all, all you need, right? Is that one yeah. day that, that somebody pissed in your coffee that morning? That's right. I right. walked out. Um, at the time, I wasn't married and didn't have a mortgage. It was a little bit easier to do it, right? If I if I had those responsibilities, maybe I would have uh, thought twice. I basically went to the phone, and and this is another lesson we're going to talk about today. You know, I called every friend, every family member in that phone. I said, listen, I'm on my own. I appreciate the support. You know, I'll never make you look bad. I'll I'll take care of uh, anybody you send my way. And before you know it, you know, I uh, I started in a, a, my one bedroom apartment in Bay Ridge. And six months later, I was taking office space here on Staten Island. You know, uh, I love the grassroots approach. Yeah. You know, it's overlooked so much today in business. Relationships are everything. I do understand that sometimes working with friends and family isn't the easiest. But at the end of the day, um, you know, relationships is what keeps business going. Right. Um I always tell agents here, especially in sales, right? The, the, if you have a relationship with somebody, there is no such thing as a hard conversation, sure. right? They, they understand that you have their best interest at heart and that's all that matters. But if you have no relationship with somebody, it doesn't matter what you say to them on the phone. You can hand them a million dollars and that's still not going to yeah. find the value. In yeah. You. you know, 20 years later, I definitely have a different approach with working to fr with friends and family. And the only advice I would give anybody that will work with friends and family is there can't be a winner and a loser in the relationship. Both people have to be winners. Bingo. Love that. What does that mean? It means, listen, if you're going to work with family, you're going to make nothing on that job, but you're going to sleep well at night knowing you did the right thing. And hopefully the reciprocal comes back to you. Well, they appreciate you doing it at cost or, or without making too much money and, and given the quality product. Right. Um, you know, and, and that, you know, if you can make both people winners without being too greedy, that's the only way I'll work with a good friend or, or a family member, you know, after all these years of getting, you know, learning these mistakes. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So with that being said, give me some of the highlights of, of uh, you know, this illustrious career that you've put together for yourself. So I'm incredibly blessed. Um, I was lucky enough to have some really good people around me to help build this business and sustain it these, these years. Um, I would say about half of my business at this point is on the island. The rest of it's off-island. The other four boroughs, New Jersey, Long Island. Um, what were the highlights of my career? I would say three 
there are three probably pieces that pop into my mind right away. One, I mean, we've at this point, we've designed hundreds of homes on Staten Island. Um, it means a lot to me, even though, you know, it might have been a simple project or it wasn't this, you know, award winning um, project because of maybe budget or things like that. But we were able to build homes for people to raise their families um, in throughout every every neighborhood, you know, over every budget range. Uh, we were able to help these people, you know, create a better place to, to raise their kids and to live and to occupy. Um, we've also been blessed. Um, we've designed a lot of restaurants. I'm a huge food guy. I know you enjoy going out to eat. Um, you know, I would say over the last 20 years, we've designed maybe 100, 150 restaurants here on the island. Uh, businesses that are still open, small businesses, family owned businesses. Um, and we've got to see them flourish and we'd like to see, you know, them in the community, helping the community, people living here, eating there. That's the game. Um, we also had the opportunity to work with, uh, some celebrities. We've, we've, uh, been on featured on some TV shows. Cool. Um, we designed what, what, what TV shows, any, any, uh, that I might know. Yeah. So Tracy Morgan, Playboy channel. <laughs> no. Tracy Morgan is a huge fan of sharks. He's done a bunch of custom shark tanks in his homes throughout the years. Oh, shark sharks. Okay, yeah. yes, I saw that. I saw that somewhere on on, on a. Uh, uh, um, I probably watched the show. Yeah, because I remember you guys were involved in that. So he bought a he bought a new home in New Jersey. The home had a guest house, and he wanted to convert the guest home to a shark tank. Literally, the entire home is a shark tank, and the show the the build and the design was featured on the show Tanked. Awesome. So that was a cool project to be involved in. It's probably the first and only Shark Tank home we'll ever design. Um, and uh, never know. Now that you're on this show, yeah, we'll the, see what happens. The seven people listening <laughs> might jump right on that offer. Uh, we've also had the pleasure to work with Damon John from um, Shark Tank. Shark Tank, not to creator of Fubu. No, no, no pun intended. No pun intended. So uh, great guy, down to earth um, guy. We did uh, his office in the city. We did an apartment from the city and we did a home from upstate New York. Fantastic. Yeah, really great guy. Um, also a local builder on Staten Island actually did all the build outs as well. So it was a nice seeing that Staten Island team. Sure, you know, sure. It's easier to work that way too yeah. when you know the players involved. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I assume anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. So uh, th those were, you know, some cool, cool opportunities, you know. Uh, so you must have, we to, to just get back a little bit. I hate doing this, but so you must have a decent team there, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously you're one man. You probably went from one in the one-bedroom apartment to Bay Ridge to what now? So right now on the architecture side, we have about almost 20 employees. Wow, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they range from expediters to designers, you know, admin, back-end admin staff, um, people actually producing the construction drawings, the engineering drawings. Uh, we offer a full, um, you know, a full uh, a range of different services. We're not just designing a home for you, but we can do some engineering. So it's a one-stop shop um, operation, which I think also led to our success. You know, uh, most people when they hire an architect, they need to hire a bunch of separate trades, maybe a structural engineer or an expediter. Uh, we kind of do everything in house. Yeah, and I think that being in the real estate industry for as long as I have, and the challenges that I've ran into, um, that's always been a misnomer of what actually an architect does, right? It's like something happens and like, oh, call an architect. Well, that's not actually, I mean, you might call an architect and he might lead you in the right direction, but that's yeah. not actually his job. And we'll talk about some of the challenges that we face here on Staten Island in a minute. Um, but I always like to kind of talk about, you know, you went from a novice, as we just spoke about, to an expert in your field. Um, what advice do you give you know, a young kid today that's either, you know, thinking about going to college because obviously, you know, 
college is a, is a, is a prerequisite for this, um, specialty schools, whatever you want to call it. Um, what is your advice to somebody who is trying to get into the industry today? I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I think, and I can speak on my own experience, there's no question me making a decision young as opposed to changing it a few times throughout maybe my college career, um, making the decision young, even though I wasn't 100% sure, and just sticking with it. Listen, it doesn't matter how much you love something. Throughout your 20, 30-year career, there's going to be peaks and valleys where you're going to lose interest, you're going to be frustrated, or maybe you're going to doubt yourself. I think that any business is difficult. Any industry is hard. Um, if you truly enjoy a piece of that business, in my instance, it was the art aspect, right? I didn't go to school for business. I didn't know if I was going to be able to run a, a, a business here on Staten Island. Um, so if you can identify young, maybe a talent you have, and shoot in that direction and stick with it, uh, I think you can be tremendously successful. I think the people that change their college major four times or or go back to school and maybe, you know, pussyfoot with, with what they're going to do, I think before you know it, you're 30 years old, you're 30 years old, you, your back's against the wall, maybe financially, maybe you have a family and, and you're still trying to figure out what you want to do. And listen, as you know, in two seconds, you're 55 years old and you, you don't have the energy. Be careful, Dom. <laughs> 50. <laughs> uh, you don't have the energy right. or, or even, you know, the brain power, the brain power to, right. to start a company or, or, or to get into a new industry. Right. So again, it worked for me. Maybe it won't work for everybody. But I truly believe is if you you know at a young age and, and listen young is is a relative term it could right, be right. it could be when you're in high school it could be when you're in college it could be right after college right but just be careful because if you spend ten years you know going back and forth and second guessing yourself you may do it your whole life yeah and and, and I agree to that to a point I, I think that we're a lot younger than we think we are I think people are going to live a lot longer than they ever had I read an article not too long ago that said newborns today have to have the ability to live to 120 years old with medicine and everything else that's going on with science. Um, so I don't, I, the age thing I, I get, I think where you, what I took out of what you just said, which I think is a huge problem with the youth of today is patience. I think that everybody wants to know, and I, I get it here in the real estate industry. How much do I make on Friday? This is the wrong yeah. place for you. You got to go to like UPS or something. You, you have to go somewhere where you're going to get a paycheck at the yeah. end of the week. And to your point with the college, the flipping of college, to me, that's a patience thing. That That's the problem with society today because we live in a world where I could pick up a supercomputer in my pocket. I press a button and I have the thing delivered to me in a day. Oh, a day's too long. I want it in an hour. I pay an extra $2. I have it. In, you know, it's just that. Instant gratification. And that's what I feel yeah. like we didn't have that as children. Mm -hmm. So you understood what it took to grind to get success, mm -hmm. right? I always yeah. use this term, you know, success comes before work only in the dictionary mm -hmm. and kids today. I just feel like they don't have that grit. They, they want to like try something for a couple of weeks and it doesn't work and, and everyone was wrong. And that's the shittiest thing in the world. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, that that's, if you want to come full circle with technology, I feel like that's one of the negatives of technology that allows kids today to just constantly be swiping and changing their mind on whatever they're thinking of, right? And let's take it out of the work, you know, realm and, and just into life. Like if you were, if your mind was just changing to a different subject 7,000 times in an hour, you're, you're trained, especially at a nine-year-old age where your brain is evolving, you know, you're training your brain to never focus on anything. Yeah. And and that's the, I feel anyway, my, my uh, my two cents there is that I feel that that's, that could be detrimental down the road. My son and daughter do not know the idea of 
we have to wait for a certain time for that TV show to come on, that TV show to come on. Or wait on the radio for your favorite song to come on. They want to hear this song, they put it on. They want to watch that movie, they put it on. Um, what, How funny, you know, you just make my hair stand up like the little bit that I have because you're so right. Yeah. Like we had to, you know, have your sister holding the antenna for you so the TV That's was right. clean. Watch <laughs> wrestling on like yeah. Luca Libre on Channel 43. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little older than you. But uh, these 15 second TikTok clips are destroying these kids' minds. Destroying. I have a rule in my house where every day my kids have to read 20 pages of a book. Anything. It could be uh, it could be a magazine. It doesn't have to be anything super heavy. But believe it or not, staring at that book, holding it, and not being able to move for those so 20 pages. Listen, it takes time. So important. Um, that half hour is building up maybe the stamina to have some attention. Yes. Um, and listen, we can talk for hours about these subjects. what you're reading, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have one kid that's a whiz that's top of our class, and I got another kid that he better marry rich because yeah. he's going to have a big problem in life. I um, have the same problem at home. And, you know, it's just amazing, right? You have two parents that have the two <laughs> kids, same genes. Yeah. One's completely different. Um, you know, everybody finds their way. I'm sure at nine years old, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But um, we all we all we're all victims, though, of because, listen, we don't have unlimited energy. So, listen, you're out to dinner or you're in the car. It's so easy to throw that iPad in front of them. You know, so we do have to take some of the responsibility, you know, um, that we're causing this problem by allowing this behavior. So and listen, uh, I'm not here to preach. Uh, no, but you're 100 percent true. I had this conversation with somebody the other day that gave me the line about these entitled kids. And you know what? I had to I had to finally turn around and I normally don't do this, but I had to turn around and say, you know, can I ask you a question? Like, I know you for 20 years. And they said what? I said, who made them entitled? Do you think they were born that way? Or was it you that maybe had a problem with your parents? So you decided you're going to buy your kid every single thing you can to make up for something maybe that you didn't get when you were a kid. And now you have this kid who thinks what you called entitled. You know, what I think is, I think kids today, you're not, we don't give kids enough credit. Kids today understand they have options. You know, when we were, and I know we're getting completely off the topic, but you're, it's a little easy to talk to you. You know, your grandfather, for him to make more money, he had to get another job. Right? He didn't have the right. ability to come home at 7 o'clock at night and start a side business on his phone on TikTok. Yeah. He can today. Mm -hmm. His 75-year-old's on TikTok yeah. making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Right, So so there is a, there, there's a, a huge value to it there, but I just feel like that, um, I, I, I don't know. I just, you just have to be aware. You have to be conscious yeah. of it. And listen, I believe in everything in moderation. Listen. Yes. Yes. Too much water is a bad thing. Yeah, somebody. that's right. The technology is beautiful. I think, you know, listen, if if our children can make a living making TikTok videos or podcasts like this, God bless them, you know. And that's where I lost my train of thought. But that's what I was going after. Yeah. I think kids are recognizing today because what did our parents tell you? Well, maybe your parents didn't. I mean, my parents didn't because my father owned a, a business and it was a different mindset. But it was, I know a lot of friends of mine's parents was like, get that job, that union job or get that city job and get that pension and get that secure, 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 yeah. right? Let's work till you're 65 and die at 67, yeah. right? And don't enjoy a minute of your life because maybe you're going to have a grilled cheese yeah. on Thursdays, yeah. right? So I think kids today are saying, well, instead of me watching my father break his ass so we could have what we needed in life and him never showing up to a baseball game of mine, never showing up to a practice of mine. You know what? Maybe I'll just make content in my basement, make 80 grand a year and I'll pay my bills and I'll get to enjoy my entire life. So they understand that, yeah. you know, not everybody needs to make 300, 400, $500,000. And I think that the parents are the ones that are finding failure in that. And that's why they're kind of putting this negative, you know, 
yeah. connotation on it or whatever you want to call it. Quick story. And listen, you and I could talk for hours. But um, but this is good stuff. This yeah. I think people can relate to. I was required to take every city exam. Fire department, police department, the whole thing. Okay? There you go. There you go. Sanitation. That, that was my natural rite of passage, right? I was going to do that. And that's fine. It's a great job, right? Um, my father just said recently, maybe a year ago, you know, because listen, you know, my father's getting older and I love him. And, and, and although we have vast different opinions, maybe on, on a lot of topics, um, you know, I like to get his advice or tell him what I'm doing and, you know, get his opinion, even though I know probably most chances I won't take it. Opposite of yours. Yeah. But listen, <laughs> he's my father and I want to, I want him to be involved in my life. And, uh, he, he, he stopped me and he interrupted me. I was telling him about something I was interested in doing. He goes, can I ask you something? He goes, for the last 20 years, you've been coming to me for advice on what you should do with this, this, and this. And almost every time you've took the opposite of my advice and you've done pretty good. Why are you still ask me for advice? You know, and it struck a chord with me because I really didn't realize it. But, it, you know, it, I guess it was true. Um, so it goes back to I open up the firm 2003, 2004. Fire department calls me up. We want you on the job. My whole family is like, you got to take it. You got to take it. You can do both, right? You can work on the job. And then at night in the firehouse, you can be drafting. You can do this stuff. We just took on a bunch of employees. Uh, I took on a partner. I knew by me taking that job, although it would have been great. It would have hurt them because they needed me there. Not a, a probie, you know, on wherever I was going to be training. Number 7,413. Yeah. I knew it was going to crush the business and I really, my heart was in the business and there were so many reasons, especially when you have your whole family chanting in the background for me to go that way. And I said, no, a year later, they call me back. I say, no, third year, they call me back. They say, if you say no, now we're moving on to the next list. I gotta tell you, it took me a lot of time to sit back. I was like, am I making the right decision? Sure. And uh, I told them, no, the lady on the phone from the FD was like, are you crazy? People kill for this job. And I'm like, you know, I guess with the architecture background, I'm valuable because I have an understanding of buildings, structure, sure, absolutely. And, and things like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm maybe I'll regret it, you know, in 15, 20 years when I could have been out of that job, but right, right. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, that's the only part you look back at my age now and I see kids that are my age that are retired for 12 years. You know, uh, listen, I lived a great lifestyle. I'm not going to ever change it with anyone but you do look back later in life and you say you know different things of of doing what you did i would never like i said change for what i did but there is some value to it right some of these young kids are getting on a job at 20 they retired at 40 years old 100 yeah. percent. listen i have a i have a medical insurance bill i'm paying every month out of my pocket right i don't have a pension uh, absolutely you know so there's you know listen 20 years go by real quick um you know, but listen, you, you got to just keep staying forward and stay on course. Just keep no. pushing. Listen, you know? that's all we can do, right? That's the entrepreneurial way, which is kind of the new way, right? Everyone talks about this word entrepreneur all of a sudden, like everybody's an entrepreneur. 1990, I never heard that word, yeah. right? I just think that people get confused with what it actually means. You know, there's a big difference, I tell people, between busyness and business, right? Just because you run around all day long and you're busy and you tell me how busy you are, are you actually- Being productive. Right, are you accomplishing yeah. anything, right? So I think that that's a little bit of a scary word, I think, that young kids today can get a hold of and, 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 and kind of hide behind. And um, that's my only fear is that the word entrepreneur is too, 
you know, broad. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't uh, zero in on people's talents uh, the way it should. Um, at least its name doesn't. So I think that kids sometimes feel like, oh, to be an entrepreneur, I have to chase eight rabbits. And you know the story of that, right? But yeah. the story is the two rabbits. You chase two rabbits, you don't catch either one. Um, and that's always what I fear with kids today that, that kind of, I want to sell baseball. You know, it's the Gary V way, who I love. Don't get me wrong. I think the guy's a genius. I think he's a, a prophet of our time. Um, but uh, I, I don't think his methods work for everybody. No, there's right? no question. You know, and that's, that's the part that... Going back to what you were saying about, you know, you can make a living, you know, in your basement making $8,000 a year doing, let's just say, TikToks, right? Um, I think we have to be um, aware that times are changing. And a lot of parents put these pressures on their kids. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be an architect. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be the president of the United States. Uh, You know, listen, I'll be honest with you. As long as my children are happy and can true find true happiness, I don't care what they're doing. As long as they're responsible people for the lifestyle they choose. If they want to travel to Europe three times a year, then go in a direction for a career that can support that lifestyle. If you're okay living in my basement for your, your whole life, which I would never allow, um, then go on that path which affords you that type of lifestyle, right? Um, happiness is a huge void that's missing in this world, especially with the social media, right? Everyone is posting and they you know, it's the people are posting the highlights of their life, right. but, but young, you know, fragile minds, right. But these young fragile minds think this is normal, right? And we're, you know, some adults can't separate. What's wrong truth. with me? How come, why is my husband such a bum? Right. right? Why is my wife not doing this? Why is my yes. kid not doing that? Yeah. And again, uh, 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 that's another whole yeah. podcast we can do on, you know, reality versus uh, social media. Um, I know that there's new things coming out with technology that be real is one of them. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. So basically they have these new platforms that give you two minutes to take a picture. So it's like, you got to kind of get yourself in a situation where you can't go put that beautiful outfit on and do your hair. Right. So it's kind of right. getting, and I like it for a younger perspective for younger kids. 1000% of just because of what you just said, right? These kids struggle with, Hey, how come I don't look like that? How come I don't do that? How come I don't got this many likes? How don't I don't have this? I don't have that. Um, and the peer pressure and, and the, the competition is tough. Um, so well, that's what I like about these. Th- and you see TikTok's doing it now. And, and everyone will start doing it where it's more of a live thing that you have to show me what you look like right now. Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah. I, never, I didn't yeah. hear about that. Yeah. Um, another thing I've been trying to be conscious about is, listen, your kids follow suit what you're doing. So if you're on your phone all day posting, guess what? They're going to be on their phone posting. But if you're home reading, they're going to be home reading. Right. So one of the things we changed when we made this move to the city was we gave up our social media. We didn't delete our accounts, but we just said, listen, unless it's business related, we're not posting anymore. We're just taking a break mm-hmm. from it. Um, and listen, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm never going to post a picture ever again, but we just said for now, let's just make a conscious effort. And I noticed my children aren't even on anymore because, yeah. you know, maybe I'm instead of me being on social media, I'm home reading my book. And now my daughter's next to me reading a book. Well, kids do what they see. I get yeah. that. You know, unfortunately, I do this for, for right now. And I, I'm not going to say I do it for a living, but uh, but I, I'm, I'm very heavily involved in this. 
uh, social media podcasts. But it's part of your business. Right. So they know like daddy's working in his office when I'm up there. I'm not on the couch like posting TikToks. Right. Right. Like, hey, babe, hold the camera for me. Right. You know, I'm trying to do post-production stuff, which mm -hmm. unfortunately has you on the computer a lot. But again, back to my original thing. If my children want to create a TikTok account and see if they can create content, I'm their biggest fan. I'm the one that's going to support them the most as long as what you said earlier, you know, the prerequisites are done, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. making sure that the, the grades are there, making sure you're listening to your mother, making sure your room is clean, making sure that, you know, you have to yeah. do the basic necessities. Mm -hmm. Then you can get, you know, the benefits yeah. of life. Um, but, but I don't, I'm a little different with social media with my kids. I don't, um, I time them. I don't, I don't let them run rampant on it, but I'm not one of these parents that, that try to spew negativity towards it because I would be foolish because it's not going anywhere. That's like your great grandmother telling your grand, your, your, your grandfather, grandmother that the television is going to be the demise of society right. and radio is where it's at. Mm -hmm. Right. All this is an, is an evolution of the next step of Progression. communication. And that's, and, and the person that says, Oh, it, it, it's not, you know, you, you're the same guy that, that thought that, you know, the computer, that the internet was going to be a failure in, in 1982. Yeah. Right. This is just a joke. You know, Facebook is, is a fad. And then, you know, the reason why Facebook, the only reason why Facebook works is because Zuckerberg was smart enough to understand that the only thing that people need, the only thing that people need in life besides food and water is human communication. And that's what that is built for, human communication. TikTok is way more educational than a lot of people think. I mean, Absolutely. Listen, you, it's you the can, next thing. I mean, I've people, learned people so much. People are sleeping much. on TikTok. Yeah, there's no They're question. sleeping on TikTok. Yeah, my, my, even my children, like uh, something as silly as uh, the elf on the shelf, different uh, setups, you know, every night, 100%, like yeah. my son helps us sure. with my younger daughter. Yeah. He's now he's setting up at night, yeah. the elf on the shelf sure. and you know, we're getting creative and you start Googling stuff. YouTube, we were talking about that earlier. Um, there's no question. There's a, uh, there's a level of education that comes with it, but then you're also hearing now these commercials. Um, have you been addicted to Instagram and Facebook? There's a lawsuit here for you. Oh, I haven't yeah. seen that. Yeah. That's the next thing. Yeah, you like, know? oh, Facebook and Instagram made you addicted to this. It's their fault. You I, can sue them. Well, you know what? There is a, <laughs> there's probably a lawyer out there that will take that case. I'm sure there's yeah. multiple lawyers out there that will take that case. But I'm uh, what I always told my kids, I said, you know, you can go on the computer as much as you want. You can go on the iPad, the phones, text away, tweet away, do it all. But you have to be either an eye doctor or a hand doctor when you get older, because that's what we're going to be in need of in 20 years right. from now. Everyone will be blind and everyone will have a carpal tunnel syndrome. Right. Going back to the TV, right? Yeah. Don't, don't sit too close to the TV. Now we're staring at four inch screens. How about Oculus? <sighs> now you put the fucking thing on my nose. Yeah. Like my mother always told me, don't sit next yeah. to the TV. Nuts. Now you put this thing, it's right on my yeah. nose. Yeah. I don't see how healthy that could be. Yeah. I'll be honest. I have it. My kids have it. We don't play with it much because quite honestly, it makes me dizzy. Yeah. Um, and besides the fact we played one of these games, I almost killed my wife, pushed her off a plank <laughs> or something. She almost died. So we don't play that game anymore. I almost killed my brother-in-law on a holiday weekend. Oh, just, That's great. Yeah, no. Darren <laughs> was not happy with me that weekend. Yeah, we don't have one. I've used them. Yeah. And listen, again, it's science, technology, right? Unbelievable. Yeah. But guys like us that put it on we can't have it on for long yeah these kids have these things on for hours mm -hmm. and hours and mm -hmm. hours and you know that's the stuff that you know i get uh a little uh you know nervous about but we're getting too far off the topic because i i really want to share some information that i feel like a lot of our audience can use because of the pitfalls that come up in 
owning a home in buying a home and selling a home, you know, was the documentation right when I originally bought it? Did the title company met, maybe overlook something? And now I'm sitting here and I have X, right? right. So I, I call up somebody like you and, you know, I can talk from my real estate perspective is, you know, it's typically the pools, the fences, the decks, you know, the cabanas, the, the things that, you know, me and my buddy who's a fireman just decide I'm going to throw a deck up in my backyard over the weekend yeah. and I'm going to put it, you know, six inches on my neighbor's property. That's right. Or the guy that wants to put the fence up 13, 14 feet just so his neighbors can't see him. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and that's the typical Staten Island stuff. So, so what do you see out there and, and what do you, you know, um, what is your best advice when, when stuff like this comes up and you would know the violation names better than I would um, in terms of ECB or, or building department and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, where their first step could be in rectifying this stuff. So it's a great question. Again, it's a topic we can, we can do a whole segment on. Uh, through my career, I've seen, listen, I've seen everything. Um, so two types of calls we get is I'm about to sell my house. We found out that there's some illegal stuff, which could be a plethora of things. You know, we need you to save the day, fix it, so I don't lose my deal. And unfortunately, working with the city, nothing happens quick. So chances are, if you have that problem and you're finding out like a week before the closing, you're, you're going to lose this deal, right? Um, so how can you be proactive? Typically, young new families or new homeowners, they just, you know, a couple just gets married. They're super excited. They want to buy a home, fix the home up. And going back to taking advice from their family. Right. Oh, just do this. Just do this. Just do this. You don't need a permit. You don't need a permit. Sure. The father tire kicker. That's right. And and the the truth of the matter is they're like, don't call an architect because they're He's super expensive. Money. Yeah. You're going to get a thousand dollar bill for that phone call, which couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Um, you know, all day long, people in our office are doing, you know, consulting and giving advice because we, we don't want to see people make the mistake. And listen, if they choose to hire us to do it, then great. If they don't, then listen, at least we gave them some good, good advice. So what are the biggest pitfalls? I mean, listen, and there are trends in the market. So on your end, people maybe before them built the home or did a renovation to the home and never got the certificate of occupancy, right? Which means they really didn't do the final paperwork. And listen, it happens very often. Why? You finish building a home, you're broke. You're so excited to get into that home and now you have to pay to furnish it. You forget about doing that last part of paperwork, right? And before you know it, five, 10 years pass, you're growing out of that house, need a new one, and now you need your CFO, right? So I would say by far, nobody closes their permits. And you really can't blame anyone but yourself, right? Because the architect doesn't know when you finish. We're not keeping, you know, we've been done for a year. It, it took you a year to build this home. We've been absent. Right. Um, so I would say that's probably the number one. Listen, if you're going to do a project the right way, just don't forget the end. Call back yeah, your architect. Yeah, which is bizarre to me, I, you know, yeah. thinking that you spent all this time, all this money, all this screaming and yelling at each other because yeah. anyone that built a house knows that you and your wife yeah. will fight or you yeah. and your husband will argue. Um, and the truth of the matter is from my perspective now, I have a hard time selling your home, right, without a CFO. Right. So all you're doing is creating a monster headache for yourself because you invested all this money into this beautiful home that you can't sell. That's right. You know, so yeah. for real estate agents... The moment they get that listing, even when they're researching to try to pitch and get that listing, they can look like a superstar by just going on one website, which is free to get in, get onto, type in the address, and it can come up. And everything will come up that if there's something opened or some, there's a violation or a complaint, and then address it at that moment instead of 
a week before the closing. Absolutely. Um, going back to trends in the market. And I think just to jump in real fast, I think realtors have to do a little bit better of a job as well. I yeah. know they're not architects, but it is a free website. It is due diligence. It's it's It doesn't take more than you know, 15, 20, 30 seconds to jump on there yeah. and show your value to your homeowner. Now, I always advise my agents, that's where it ends, right? You're not an architect, so you don't give architectural advice, right. but you can at least say, hey, take this paper and bring it to a licensed architect and, right. and find out what the problems are. That's right. And not wait for the title report to be finished, which is when you find out, which is at the, the right. last hour. Right. Um, going back to trends. So especially here in Staten Island, backyards have the last 10, 15 years have just blown up. People are spending absorbent amount of money exorbitant amount of money renovating their backyards. I know people that spend five, six, seven hundred thousand renovating the backyard. Yeah, sure. I've, um, been, I've been in a few of them. Yeah. So listen. Mostly of them are your friends, but yeah. <laughs> open fire pits not permitted anywhere in the city of New York without a fire department approval. Not permitted. The only people that could put an open fire in Staten Island, Pouch Camp, the Boy Scouts. When you say open fire. So if you have a fire pit in your backyard, technically like, it's not allowed. Like gas or, or wood. You cannot have an open fire in New York City unless you have a permit from the fire department. Period. Great advice for the, yeah. your, for both of you guys listening right now. <laughs> um, that is great. I did not know that. Yeah. And I'm not sure that there is 75% of the, the backyards on the South Shore have fire pits. They have fire pits coming out of their pool. <laughs> they have fire pits coming out of the fire pits. <laughs> That's right. So listen, what, let's talk about these backyards, which, listen, they're beautiful. The pool, the deck, the cabana. The outdoor kitchen. Pavers. The, the pavers. The fire. All of this stuff needs permits. It sounds crazy. It needs permits. Um, I did a couple of YouTube videos during COVID, and I was trying to give some of this advice. Um, there's like this, this myth that if your pool is less than 400 square feet, you don't need a permit. Everyone knows it. Everyone says it. That's People in small pools like crazy. That's right. They made the 14 by 28 because of that. That's right. Now. But what about the plumbing lines? What about the gas lines? What about those electric lines? Those all need permits, right? Then they paved their whole backyard. Well, where's that rainwater going? You're dumping it onto your neighbor or you're dumping it onto the street, which again, the street, most is likely. not permitted, right? So listen, be careful with the backyards. You're investing a ton of money and one complaint from a neighbor or when you go to sell it, it could come up. And I've been in instances where people are ripping out pools, ripping out backyards because an architect or engineer cannot legalize it because it was done improperly too close to the property line, um, too big. I can name a ton of issues. So um, I would say people not getting CFOs, people going crazy in their backyard. And then you have the old school violations, right? The illegal apartment in the basement, um, the illegal deck, uh, the fence in the neighbor's property, the fence is too tall. Um, you know, just be careful. Um, most architects or engineers i think if you call them and ask them a quick question would be more than happy, happy to, to answer it they're not going to take five calls they're not going to spend an hour on the phone with you sure. but if you had to say i'm going to replace my fence can i put it back in the same spot it is and I'd, t I'd probably tell you no why because maybe that fence originally was built in the wrong spot right maybe that fence is six inches on your neighbor's property now you're going on your neighbor's property to rip out a fence and put it back and technically it's their fence their fence now yeah right. so uh, yeah yeah it's Completely it's yeah, new york city's that. tough new york city's tough man i mean the rules here are by far, by far more stringent than almost any else. place else in the world. Yeah. And I can just say from, from a real estate perspective that, um, and it, it's unfortunate, but it's the truth, right? I'm going to be honest with everybody right now. When, when a buyer sees that there's a problem with the house, they take advantage. 
And you could say that they don't, and you could say that there's good people out there, and I get it. But when a person sees that you have to have a violation removed or somehow corrected, um, they're going to want three times the amount of what it really costs to do it because they feel that they now are in a position that they didn't really want to be in. So just to, to give you a you know another layer of security, yes, you know, you do it for the right reasons because of what Dominic said, and you do it to protect your money because you're going to lose money at the end of the day. You'll leave it on the yeah. table for you know for the stupidest reasons at times. Yeah, and the buyer could think that you knew about it the whole time and you were trying to pull the wool over us. And, and now you that's have, what it is, yeah. right? I mean, why yeah. wouldn't they think that? Yeah. You bought this house and you know, how many times have you heard this? I bought it that way. That doesn't mean yeah. that, you know, there's a lot of guys out there years ago and, and you know better than anybody. And I'm not going to start slandering the building department, but, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was like the wild, wild west over there. Especially right? out here. Right. So yeah. is it more, was it more rampant out here? Yeah. Um, so those are sometimes come to roost later in life, right? right? I'm sure you've had things on your desk and you saw names and you were like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, you know, you got good and bad and everything. Um, you know, I have, uh, I've had people buy homes with... They find out 20 years later, the extension of the home's illegal. And like, I bought it this way. I'm like, I know, but just because you bought it that way and it appeared in your survey doesn't mean it was legal, you know? Yeah. You know, what I also noticed with banks, based on the economy and the market, they're more stringent or less stringent, right? When we're in a, when we're in a crazy market where things are going well, you know, a lot of things, you know, get passed or swept under the rug and banks finance them. Well, that's from a title perspective, but it's not from a from a lending pr practice. It's more of what they require in the title. If they're not going to require a CFO, if they're not going to require certain documents that are going to expose a problem, then the, the, right. the loan officer and no one's going to give them that paperwork. That's right. And that's how the deals are going to go through. And I noticed in times like this where the real estate market's coming down, especially we were talking about this earlier in 08, they were criticizing every little thing. Absolutely. And so it's There's always got to be a fall guy, right? They always got to figure out a reason of why. Um, so obviously it was an easy transition um, to, to real estate with you, with, with the knowledge that you carry from the architectural perspective. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. I know over the last few years, you've been building up a nice portfolio um, of properties. And, and I know now you, you've actually got out of, of New York and now you're starting to go down south and buy some stuff. So, so talk to us a little about that. How's that working? So, um, it's been interesting, interesting the last couple of years. Um, me being in the forefront with laws changing, I kind of see things coming down the pipe. And, uh, over the last few years, I've been seeing a lot of the bureaucracy getting worse and worse, specifically here in New York city. Um, like most people that's in my field, you know, I work with builders and investors all the time as clients. And they opened my eyes to the real estate game. Um, I would say about 15, 20 years ago, I probably bought my first two family home and, you know, got the taste of it and managed it and, and saw the, the rewards of owning real estate. Um, yes, built up a portfolio, um, you know, um, from one and two family homes to apartment buildings and, and things like that. But um, now with the way things are happening in New York City, I mean, listen, there's annual lead reports and annual bed bug inspections. And if you're not familiar, annual DHCR reports for rent stabilized buildings, um, uh, annual boiler inspections, annual gas inspections. It's almost impossible to make money because you have all of these um, agencies with their handout for inspections. And it's making it harder and harder to evict bad tenants due to the politics of the city. Absolutely. You know, uh, forget about COVID, which added another whole layer 
of of uh, ability, giving rights to right, tenants, which which I'm all for. Right, ability um, to stay in someone else's home for free. Right, but so going back to listen, both people need to be winners in, re- in relationships to to work well and be flour- and to flourish. You can't give all the rights to the landlord and can't give all the rights to the tenants. It's got to be a, a well, you know, harmonious relationship. It's the only way it works. And uh, New York City, in my opinion, is just everything is pro tenant, um, especially with the bigger stuff, right? The the multiple dwellings, I'll, I'll call it. Um, so I made a conscious decision about a year and a half, two years ago to sell the multifamily stuff that I have. Keep the one or two families, the smaller stuff, and go to states that are maybe more landlord friendly, um, where you can have conversations with tenants and you can actually get evictions done when there are problems. Um, so uh, I've, I've invested in some stuff in Alabama, uh, North Carolina, awesome. you know, North Georgia's on the table. Uh, I know you've had some other guests here that also investing down south. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, and again, it's a way to diversify a little bit. You know, for 20 years, all my real estate was on Staten Island. I mean, it's you're having all your eggs in one basket is also a problem, you know. Uh, With real estate, sometimes it's good, right? Out of sight, out of mind. It's not always great. Now i got to give a piece of the part to a management company. So it has its checks and balances. But I think what you did was, you know, there's something called the Lord of the Lid. I don't know if you're uh, a John Maxwell fan, but um, he's got a book out, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of, of, of Leadership. And one of them is called the, the, the Lord of the Lid. Like you're going to hit a lid at some point where you won't be able to get any higher. So right. I think that's what you also recognize, coupled with the fact that, you know, the, the people running this state are buffoons and they're anti-real estate and anti-homeownership, uh, property rights, whatever you want to call it. Um, when they come up with, with laws that they're trying to pass of a good guy eviction, which basically gives them a, a, a lease in perpetuity, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way you can evict them. Um, how is that helpful right yeah. how how is that there's so many circumstances where that doesn't work um and that's just one of the, the things that you could pick off the tree and i think that on a whole and that's the, you know what we're going to end up with is 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 kind of what you're feeling going forward of this market and where we see you know i have my own opinions um but i'd like to i always like to hear others on where you think we're going in 23 24 25 you know from this real estate market so i think that we haven't seen the bottom I think that things are going to get worse. I think uh, we have at least another six months of maybe rate increases and and values coming down. Uh, What's unique about what's happening now, in my opinion, is not only is it the the economy with the the interest rates and and going up and things like that, COVID um, forced material to raise. So we never really had that, but material would always go up, but we had exorbitant increases in material to build homes. So... How do you, you know, naturally when interest rates go up, value comes down. But when it costs the builder unexpectedly so much more money to build that home, how much lower could they go? So what's going to happen? You make, you make a great point. Right. So, you know, you, when you have the new uh, couple that just got married that were able to afford that, I'm just going to use Staten Island, uh, let's just say $600,000, $700,000 home. Well, even if you want to pay four, five, you know, five, dollars $600,000 home, um, which you can't even get a semi these days no, or a townhouse for that saying. much, right? 650 is our average price. Right. Okay. So 650. Now with the increase in rates, they can't afford that house anymore, that monthly payment. So now they're forced to wait because there's nothing cheaper. Now, what about that builder that just built that townhouse that the person that was looking to buy the million dollar detached home is now has to make a decision. Am I going to buy the townhouse because I want a house or just wait and rent? So I think what's going to happen is more people are just going to continue to stay where they are, whatever that might be, whether it's living home with mom, uh, renting, maybe not selling the house for a bigger house. They're just going to wait until the rates come down. Um, 
And I think the builders are going to get hurt. They're going to have to lose money on a lot of these, you know, these I deals. Think new constructions will, will, will get hurt. Um, absolutely, based on what you just said. Um, but what I also think that people don't take into consideration is real estate's always expensive. You know, I talk with a, my, fa my father's friend who owns, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of pieces of real estate. And he said to me, you're buying real estate, kid? And I was like, ah, it's just expensive right now. He looked at me, he goes, it's always expensive. And he's right. Um, so to that point, I think that people understand that, that real estate is just expensive and they're going to put them, they have options, right? I could rent or I could buy, I can own. And we, we know the differences. We know the comparisons on, on net worth, what it does to people from owning to, to renting. Um, you know, the difference they say 50, your net worth is $5,500 if you rent opposed to $246,000 if, if you own, right? So, so there's that value there of home ownership. There's the quality of life. All that stuff is great. Where I think the bigger fear that people should understand is interest rates are interest rates, houses are houses. You're going to pay $100 more, $200 more, $300 more, maybe eat pasta for a year, you figure it out. The problem is the pasta is three times the amount of money right. now. And that's like I, I had a podcast a few months back and we talked about 73% of people that bought during COVID are unhappy. And I don't necessarily think they're unhappy because... A, the price of their house might be lower because I don't think we do that, right? I mean, do you go on Zillow every day and look at the price of your house, right? It's not Bitcoin. You're not, you're not staring at the thing every 10 minutes. Yeah. It, it's a long-term investment. I think they're unhappy because they didn't anticipate the cost of living to triple inside of eight months, yeah. right? It, they, the, even these interest rates, I've been in this game a very long time and I was in the, the, the 12s, 11s, 10s, 8s, 7s. The difference today is never... Did they triple inside of eight months? Right. You know, people were looking in the twos in January yeah. and now you're in the seven. I mean, it's Nuts. just, it's it just, that's the difference. The difference is, you know, so rapidly to your point, construction being up is a point that, you know what? I really thank you for that. Cause I didn't even take it into consideration. Um, you know, it, does it affect my market? Not as much. Cause I don't think new construction is our house out here but it's got to affect the, the parcels out west and down south where they're building two, 300 houses, right. new construction tracks. Right. Those people have to really, really be, yeah. be hurting. And I think what, I think in this conversation, we're talking about, you know, not an avid real estate investor. We're talking about a homeowner, yeah, a regular, typical regular homeowner guy, buying yeah. their primary residence, Absolutely. right? Listen, there are people that are in the game that are going to do well in this market. You know, the cash buyers or the sure. people in more buying getting commercial notes right because those interest rates are still reasonable absolutely but the homeowner buying the primary home is really i think what we're focused on now and the people that you know are affected the most sure There's no question yeah no and yeah. I, I think that's and that's who we cater to here on staten island right we don't have this um large influx of commercial high rises you know we're, we're yeah. one in two family houses that's right. right that that's our six hundred fifty thousand dollar uh apple that we sell but listen i mean i, I don't want to keep you much longer we had a great great conversation i really appreciate you being here yeah, love being here man I, uh, thank you yeah i hope to have you back on again soon and um let everybody know where they can follow you so uh think design architecture okay. is the architects uh think design architectures page on facebook and instagram um my Social media is D Ciccarelli Jr. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook um, as well. Spout Ciccarelli. C I C C A R E L L I. Um, listen, our office is here. Uh, Staten Island's our home. Anyone has a question, um, as big or small, we're, we're, we're happy to uh, answer them for you. 
Um, our staff, um, you know, we're in nine to five Monday to Friday. Google us. You'll, you'll learn a lot about us. And uh, we're here to help you out. I appreciate that. I know Dominic a long time. Um, he's a man of his word. He does what he says he's going to do. He's helped out a tremendous amount of clients of mine that I've sent to him. So uh, definitely check out his, his website or, or his socials and, and see the stuff that he's doing. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Thank um, you. Appreciate you being here. All right. Check us out wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts or social media stuff. I go through this every week, but I think everybody knows by now where to find us. Appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you.